Well, happy 2019. How you doing? Gotta give somebody a hug, welcome somebody, show somebody some love. It is a good year. Uh, happy New Year. All right. So, wow, you guys uh, came ready for 2019. I wanna, I wanna just, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I was before the Lord, and I was just talking to the Lord about some things, and uh, I wanna just start off by uh, just saying to you, and this has nothing to do exactly with where I'm going tonight, but I wanna encourage you to really dream big this year. Dream big. Believe big. Think big. Ask big. Listen, there's no pride in that. Jesus said, you, ha- you have not because you ask not. Jesus said that greater things than these shall you do in my name. He says, anything that you ask in my name, I will do. And I want you to really begin to think about this, that we serve a big God. And so we're called to believe big. Tonight, I want to just start off with three simple words. And I want to ask you to really think about the very first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these words. Everybody say this with me. Ready? Ready. Set. Set. Go. Go. I want you to think about those words. Ready. Set. Go. Now, if I were to ask you what's the very first thing that comes to your mind, what's the very first thing that comes to your mind? A race. race. What comes to your mind? A A race. Anybody have anything different? What comes to your mind? Ready, set, go. A what? Start running. <laughs> Start running for your life, right? <laughs> get, get running. Get going somewhere. That's right. Many of us think about a race when we hear those words. And while many of us think about a race, here's what I, I'm pretty sure none of us are thinking about, about us being in a race. You hear the words ready, set, go, and you think about a race going on somewhere, but you're not thinking about yourself in a race. You're not thinking about yourself at the starting line. You're not thinking about yourself set upon a mark. You're not thinking about going somewhere. And whether you know it or not, I'm here to tell you tonight, according to Scripture, that you are in a race. It's called the race of faith. It's about your relationship with God. It's about what God wants to do in your life, through your life. It's about destiny with God. It's about purpose with God. It's about a mark that God is calling you to reach. Ladies and gentlemen, listen, my job here is not to tell you your specific call. My job is to give you the word of God and equip you for the work of the ministry, whatever God is calling you to. And I want to begin to encourage you tonight to get into this mindset where you are ready, you are set, and you go. You are ready, you are set, and you go. Because if you don't perceive your walk with God this way, listen, let me, let me be a little bold and take a little step further. If you don't perceive 2019 this way, but you are ready, you are set, you will not go anywhere. You will not go anywhere. You will not go anywhere with your faith. You will not go anywhere in your marriage. You will not go anywhere in your relationships. You will not go anywhere in the direction that God is leading you. And so I want to start off by just making this statement to you that you're already in it. You're already in this race, so you might as well win it. You're already in it. 
You're already in the race. Let me prove it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 and 27. Paul here, speaking by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this. Do you, know, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but one gets the prize? He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever, forever. Verse 26 says, therefore, I do not run. uh, I, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Let me tell you something. We all are called to a high calling. Each and every one of you has a high calling on your life. There is nothing small about you. There is nothing insignificant about you. You are called to great things. The Bible calls it the prize. It it talks about the crown that you and I have that will last forever. It is what God has predestined you to. It is where God seeks to bring you uh, for all eternity. And Paul says this. He says, therefore, because I have this crown before me, he says, I don't run aimlessly. I want you to think about what Paul's saying. He's saying everything that I'm doing in life is with one purpose. It's with one purpose. It's with one focus. It's what God has called me to. It's what God has me, has for me. Now, anybody here competitive? You guys are a bunch of liars. I am not the only competitive person in here. I am super competitive. Yeah, l- let me show you how competitive some of you are. Right? You pull up to the light. And there's two lanes, and it's about to turn into one lane. Some of you were coming up 9W, right, to get down this way, coming up from, from, coming up from town of Newburgh into the city of Newburgh, and you get to that part where NFA North Campus is, where it goes from two lanes to one lane. You just got off of 84, and you're at that light right by the Dunkin' Donuts, and you look to your left, and the person in the other car looks over at you, and you look at each other, and you look at the light, and you look at each other, and you look at the light and you look at each other. And then as soon, as soon as it hits green, by God, I am going to be the first one to get into this lane because nobody is stopping me. You know what I'm talking about, right? You know, right? You've been there, right? That's not the type of faith that I'm talking about here. And yet, in a sense, it is. Listen, our faith is not a race to compete against each other. But it is a race to take hold of what God has called you to and destined you for. And in 2019, can I I tell you that, completely going off script, when we started this journey five years ago, I had no clue how this was all going to work out. All I knew was God said. That's what we knew. And so when we took this step, Listen, we took this step with no income. We took this step 
with no congregation. <laughs> we took this step with no advertising. We followed no rules to the game. People that I knew said to me, man, you got to go check out this organization and check out that place. And they'll set you up and they'll give you a whole year plan before you launch and all this stuff. And I said, God said, and so we're going. And so we started. But when we started, all we had was a name. And the aim was, God said, I'm calling you to a place that is dry. I'm calling you to a place where people really need to see who I am. Look, I'm not knocking other churches in this city and in this region. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the, the gospel is not that complicated. And giving people a focus upon Jesus is not as hard as it's been made. It's really about just getting to know Christ. Getting to know his plans and his purposes for your life. Getting to know who you are in Christ. And so listen, we all should run with this aim. But to do so, to take a hold of, uh, to win in this race, because you're already in it and you have already won. You just got to run your race. But to do so, we have to do it in light of a couple of things. Paul says, listen, I, he, he says, I run in such a way to get the prize. And I want you to think about every time that you're on 9W from this point forward and you find yourself at that light and there's a car next to you, right? Before you gun it, why not live life that way? Why not wake up? Why not purpose this year to wake up every day with purposeful aim in life? God, I'm going to live my best life today. God, I'm going to aim to be all that you've called me. God, I am going to love you and love people. God, I'm going to serve. God, I'm going to be an example. God, I'm going to be faithful. God, I'm going to be committed. God, I'm going to operate in your strength. God, I'm going to look forward and I'm not going to look backwards. I'm not going to worry about what's behind me. Why not live life that way? And Paul says a couple of things. He says, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. In other words... This is my lane, and this is what I'm training for. Can I tell you what you and I are training for on a daily basis? What we should be training for? Godliness. We should be training to be more like Christ. You already are like Christ, if you didn't know that. The Bible says that as he is, so are you. The Bible says that you are one spirit with him, and that he now lives in you and through you. And so listen, why not live life with that focus, stay in that lane, be determined about this is the life that I'm pursuing. It takes strict training and it's training in the truth of God's word. It's purpose in knowing that what you've received is for the purpose of making contact. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Look in verse uh, 26, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. You know what a boxer goes for? Contact. Contact. Every punch that he throws is with an aim to land. Every punch that he, he, he takes forward as he's throwing his jab, as he's throwing his hook, everything that he throws is with the purpose of making contact. Listen, this year, make it count. 
Make your decisions count. Make your relationships count. Hey, make your choices count. Make them count. Go for contact. Live with purpose. Right? And it takes discipline, Paul says. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body to make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You know, there's only one person that can disqualify you, that can hinder you and I from take from going where God is leading us. You know who that person is? You. Not me. I wasn't going to say me because then you're going to go see his pastor's fault. No, it's you. And for me, it's me. And so Paul says something interesting. He says, no, I strike a blow to my body. You know what he's talking about? He says, I discipline myself. I'm accountable for me is what he's saying. And so tonight I want to talk to you about being ready, being set, and going in this new year with God. See, the truth is, you're ready. You're already ready. Really? I remember a couple of years back, well, quite a few years back, could you believe that there was a time when I was a Boy Scout? My mother put me in Boy Scouts. She started me off in Cub Scouts, and that was cool because I was a little guy, right? So you had the little blue and the little blue suit, and you had the yellow handkerchief, right? And you had the Cub Scout logo, right? I was a Cub Scout. It was the cutest thing. And then I became a teenager, and my mother said, you're going to Boy Scouts. And I said, I hate this. I got myself kicked out of Boy Scouts when I went to Camp Kiowa in the Adirondacks one year. That's another story for another time. But anyway, I remember when I became a Boy Scout, um, they start you off, uh, I believe, as, as a wee blow. It's the first badge you get. And then you become a tenderfoot. I only made it to tenderfoot, the second badge. After that, I didn't go any further than that. I got kicked out. But I remember that the, the scoutmaster that we had, Mr. George, was an elderly man. He was retired. But this guy was like he really took time to try and teach us things. And it never made sense to me when I was there. Look, it made no sense to me. Uh, learning all these knots and learning about pioneering and learning about how to read maps and how to look for indicators along the way and how to look at the sun and which side it was at and where you were going and using compasses. And so I used to hate it. I used to go only for one reason, because there was a gym and we would play basketball and we would run around and all that. And so I always felt like there was no point to what we were learning. And then one day... It all made sense. I was about 13 years old. And uh, this one day, uh, Mr. George says, guys, we're going on a hike. And so I was excited just to get out of Washington Heights, Manhattan. I was just excited. And I, I swore we were going far. When I, when I drive by there now, I'm like, man, he took us across the bridge <laughs> to Alp Camp Alpine. Like, that was like a 20-minute ride. But to me, it felt like the longest drive in the world. But the reason, why I rem- the reason why I probably felt long to get to Camp Alpine is because we crossed the bridge and he pulls over on the side of the road in a, a kind of overlooking area. And he says, all right, guys, here's your map. And you're hiking to Camp Alpine from here. It's a two and a half mile hike. It should have took us no more than a half an hour, if that, to get there. Well, 
let me tell you, if you ever decide to do this with kids, go with them. Don't leave them. He left us, right? And the oldest one amongst us was this kid named Andy. He was about 17. And Andy was like the kid that was about to become an Eagle Scout. And so he knew all this stuff. So we decide, all right, let's go. Easy enough. So we start following the map. And along the way, we start getting into denser and denser woods, right? And before long, we're coming across little creeks and little streams and we're throwing rocks and we're skipping rocks and we're spitting along down down a cliff and all kinds of stuff we're doing all kinds of dumb stuff and it's starting to get dark and we realize where are we how do we get to where we're supposed to go and we began to panic everybody's just at each other's throats And then Andy says something interesting. He reminded us of a couple of little words, four little words that we had been taught that made it all click for us. He said, guys, this is easy. He says, Mr. George said, we're going north. He says, follow true north. And we begin to look up and we see on which side of the sun is setting and we figure out and then we pull our compass out and we weren't exact where we were on the map, but we figured out the area that we were in and we made it. But we we were only about an hour away from where we, we hadn't gone too, too far. The day just escaped us. But the reason why I share that with you is because when we got lost, the one thing that became our saving grace was what we had been trained in. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Don't ever doubt that what you're learning about Christ and about who you are in Christ, don't ever doubt that it's not enough to get you through. Don't ever get to that place where you go, you know what, this Jesus stuff just doesn't work for me. Follow true north. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here because you are ready. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 starts off by saying this. It says, finally, say this with me, finally, finally. So check this out. If you read the other five chapters and a half before that, you'll see what Paul means when he says finally. Listen, Ephesians is all about maturity. It's about growing up in Christ. It's about you beginning to follow after your call. It's about understanding how the body works. It's about understanding how our gifts complement one another. It's about faith in Christ and God's grace and how it empowers you unto all things. And so in chapter 6, verse 10, Paul, after having taught us all that, says this. Finally, in other words, now that you know all this, Now that you understand these truths, he says this, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Listen closely. He says, put on the full armor of God. Can I just share something with somebody here who needs to hear this? Stop fighting with your own tools. Start trusting God. And put on what these scriptures tell us. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take Uh, your stand uh, against the devil's schemes. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh 
and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, watch this, stand. Stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Go ahead and tell somebody you're ready. Tell somebody you're ready. Listen, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Your faith is sufficient to overcome any attack of the enemy, any lie of the enemy, any deception of the enemy. Your faith is sufficient, but you've got to keep your faith up. You can't get hit and then go, now it's time to trust in God. No, you got to trust in God from the onset. You got to look forward with faith from the very beginning, from this very moment, from the moment you leave here to the moment you wake up to how you live your life every day. It's with faith as your shield. And so it says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Check this out. The word of God is your sword. It's how you advance. It's how you cut through the nonsense. It's how you destroy the lies of the enemy. It's how you make progress. And then he goes on to say, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. Listen, pray in the spirit, pray in your natural language, Pray as you go throughout your day. Pray about the good things. Pray about the bad things. Pray about your dreams. Pray about all things the Bible says. And so it says, pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. What I want you to see is this. The Bible says to you and I, be strong in the Lord and his might. But you know, the Holy Spirit is so wise that he only tells us what we can do. Now, hear why I'm sharing that with you. Because you can be strong. Because you are strong. You're ready. You're equipped. The Bible says be strong in his power and in his might. And then it goes on to say, therefore, in other words, because you have this power, because you have this might, because you're fully equipped to face life, to face the circumstances, to face the lies, the wiles of the enemy, the struggles that come your way, because you are already fitted, because you are ready, stand, stand. See, when when struggle comes your way or people come against you, or things threaten to go bad, can I give us all a piece of advice? Realize the source of the challenge that you're facing. Watch what the scripture says. It says that you do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You know what what it's saying there? Your war, your fight, your battle is not against the people around you. 
I know you might think it's your husband. I know you might think it's your sibling. I know you might think it's your coworker. I know you might think it's that person who talks down to you or looks at you a certain way or mistreats you. You might think that these people are your enemies. The scripture says it's not about flesh and blood. It's not about the people you see. It's not about the things that people do. No, realize what's really happening here. It's an enemy. It's your enemy. It's my enemy. It's Satan who comes and seeks to destroy. And so, see, we have to realize the source of what's challenging us. We have to realize who's the author of that which is coming against us and threatening to derail our faith if we do not stay focused. See, when you identify the problem, you'll start fighting the right fight instead of destroying your home. Instead of destroying your marriage, instead of destroying your children, destroying your relationships, destroying your business, destroying your life as a whole. See, it's not people. It's not God. It's your enemy, Satan. And every day you and I have to approach every day with this thought in mind. I'm standing and I'm ready. I'm ready for this day. Listen, when oppressive thoughts and repressive feelings arise, you have the helmet of salvation. You know what that simply means? The Bible says that you have the mind of Christ. In other words, you can think like Christ. You have the truth that he had. You have the truth that he has. It's yours. And so when oppressive thoughts, repressive feelings rise up, you got to remember something. This helmet of salvation, this salvation that you have received, that you are now God's, that you belong to the kingdom of God, that you are saved, that you are healed, that you are righteous, that you are strong. All these things remind you that you can stand and you will make it. You got to remember that. You got to remember what salvation says. Listen, the Bible says that we've been saved. By his grace. You know what's interesting about that word saved? It's past tense. It talks about something that already happened. You've already been saved from that which was the greatest threat to your life and mine, to your mind and mine. And so why not begin to adopt this mindset that says, but wait, God's already made a way for me. God loves me. God's always with me. God, God leads me in a triumphant uh, uh, procession is what the scripture says. And so, hey, I know it might look like what it looks like, but I win. Hey. I win. I'm, I'm okay. It's going to be all right. It's going to work out. God, you're still the God that works all things for my good because I love you and because you've called me according to your purposes. Listen. Where once we put confidence in the lies that we thought were truth and always ended up with failure, today we have the truth revealed in God's word that operates like a belt. And it holds everything together. I encourage you on your own time, go back and become familiar with your equipment because you're ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready for the race. But listen, daily, you have to do something with this readiness. You have to draw it out. Second Timothy chapter one, verses six and seven says this. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, 
which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid. Watch this. But gives us power. Watch what's in you. Love and self-discipline. That self-discipline there refers to you and I being able to rightly discipline our mindset. Thinking correctly, thinking accurately, thinking according to truth. But watch what the scripture says. It says, you've got that flame in you. You've got power. You've got complete love. You've got the ability to be disciplined in your thinking. And Paul says this by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Fan that little flame every day. Fan it. Fan it. You know, you know how you fan power into a flame? You know how you, you, know how you fan that? When, when do you use power? When do you use power in your life? I bet you use it every morning. You use it right now. Some of you come in and you look for a power source to connect your phone into. Right? In other words, you seek, you use power for the ability, for the, for the purpose of accomplishing something, doing something. You turn on your car so that you can get somewhere. You turn on the lights so you can see. That makes sense? And so what I want you to see is this, that there is a requirement for power to be accessed on a daily basis. You can live powerfully every day. You know when we don't fan that flame? When we approach life as if we're weak. Let me tell you, let me tell you a key indicator that some of us think about. I can't. I can't. It's too hard. But you don't understand all the obstacles that have been put in front of me. You don't understand, nobody's giving me a chance. You don't understand, I don't have the qualifications. You don't understand, I don't, I don't know enough about God. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to believe. Can I tell you that according to scripture, you already have what you need. And so why not become familiar with it and begin to put yourself in a position where you can live powerfully, where you can love with complete love, where you can dominate these thoughts. Every day, these three areas are called into need. The power of God, the love of God, the peace of God to live with a sound mind and to think correctly. Every day, there's an opportunity to use those. The question is, do we? The next time you tell yourself you can't, the next time you feel like you're too small, the next time you feel inadequate, incapable, not smart enough, not wise enough, that you think that somehow you can't do something, that you can't take a step of faith, that you can't believe God for something more. Remember this, I'm powerful. Can I say that again? I am powerful. You are full of the power of God. That's why the scripture says this. If God be for you, who can be against you? Who can be against you? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, life, life with God isn't complicated at all. It's about Jesus. 
It's always been about Jesus, and it will always be about Jesus. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Say this with me. Tell somebody, you're set. Then tell somebody else, you're set. Now tell somebody that's not sitting next to you and somewhere, somewhere, you're set. You're set. Listen to what the scriptures declare. Listen to what the scriptures declare. They say Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So watch this. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. In other words, stick to Jesus. Stick to the same message because it's the same one from yesterday. It's still the same today and it'll always be the same. It's about Jesus. Now watch this. It says, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart, watch this, be established by grace. Now, I just want to stop there. Because that word established there speaks about being confirmed. It speaks of being stabilized. You know what else it refers to? Being made ready. Set in place. It's like you seeing a plot of land. You say, this is it. This is where I am building my home. The home, my dream home. And you identify the plot and you set and you, and you make sure that they draw all the lines out. And then what they do is this. They, they, build, they build your foundation and that right there is immovable. And that foundation right there stabilizes the home that you will live in for the rest of your days. Listen. Consider what the scripture says. It says, for it is good that your heart, where you believe, be established, be made ready, be stabilized. Watch this. By grace. By grace. Listen, the reason why you and I are ready for the new chapter that God is unfolding for us in this new year and beyond is not because... We're doing something special to earn it from God. It's because God truly loves you and he favors you. That's what that word grace there means. Listen, you're already a conqueror is what the scripture says. You're already triumphant is what the scripture says. You're already blessed is what the scripture says. You're already provided for is what the scripture says. You already can is what the scripture says. You're already healed is what the scripture says. So why not simply believe it and begin to establish yourself in this? God, because you love me, I can. God, because you love me, I will make it. God, because you love me, I can succeed. God, because you love me, I am everything that your word says. God, because you love me, I'm called. God, because you love me, I belong in the body of Christ. God, because you love me, I can be confident. I told you about my five foot four uncle, right? That I thought was a giant. You know, it was one of the things that I remember my, about my uncle is that he, he really loved me. And because I was so confident in that, man, when I was around him, I was a little five-year-old pipsqueak. I felt like a giant. Can I tell you that when you are completely confident that God loves you, that nothing can separate you from him, 
that he hasn't changed his mind about you, you can fall, but guess what? You'll get back up. You'll make mistakes, but you'll be confident that God has forgiven you. You'll be confident that God is still for you. You'll be confident that God's callings and his gift upon your life, that he's not turning his back on them. You'll, you'll live confidently. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. Go. 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 Listen. I can't tell you how many times the scriptures declare, go. I'm with you. Go. I've sent you. Go. I'm, I'm, I've, I've already gone before you. You know, the Bible talks about a guy whose name was Gideon. I'm not going to get into the whole story. But this guy was called by God to go and to be the one that God sent to the people of Israel to deliver them from oppression. Listen, when God decided to once again liberate his people, he sent a man named Gideon to the people of Israel. The thing about it is that when God called Gideon, he literally called him to go to the people of Israel and to break the bondage that kept them stuck and under the thumb of their enemies. The thing about it is that Gideon wasn't willing to go. He wasn't willing to go. He didn't want to go because he saw himself as incapable. He believed that he was of, because he was of the smallest tribe amongst the people of Israel, he thought that he was the smallest person that God could choose. He bought a lie. And so this guy Gideon, he didn't see, he didn't think that he could do anything for God or in any way be used by God. And so in the midst of his uncertainty, as he's talking to God and talking to God from a place of doubt and fears, God says to him something that he also says to us. Judges 6.14 says this, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have. Wait. But this guy's scared. But this guy sees himself as weak. But this guy believes he's too small. You mean in that strength? No. Watch the strength. The Lord turns to him and says to him, Go in this strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. That simply means their enemies. Watch this. He says, am I not the one sending you? Listen, your strength is not in what you do for God. Your strength is in the call that God has upon your life to go forward. And in 2019, you need to remember something, ladies and gentlemen. This is your year. There's a new day in store. There is new opportunity ahead of you. 
And your greatest strength is Christ who is with you, in you, the one that compels you to go forward and to enact the freedom that is for you and others in this new season of your life. Listen, the thing about it is that when God told Gideon to get up and go and deliver the people of Israel, you know what else he was telling him? Go and get your deliverance as well. Listen, he's telling him, you go to your enemies and you defeat them. But you're not only liberating the people of Israel, you're also breaking the chains that bind you. And listen, God has empowered you to be the vessel by which he releases you from those very things that have kept you bound. And so listen, I'm not here telling you get ready. You are ready. I'm not here telling you get set. You are set. Here's what I believe God is saying to you and I. You're ready. You're set. Now go. Get going with this faith of yours. Get going with these dreams of yours. Get going with every promise that God has given you. Listen, 2019, look, I'm not trying to pump you up for the new year. I'm not trying to give you a feel-good message. I'm giving you what I believe the Lord has given me to give you. And I'm telling you, not just for you, but for me and for this ministry, 2019, man, listen. What God has done in five years and what's yet to come. Ladies and gentlemen, get ready. Get ready. And listen, don't just have faith for what God is doing here. Have faith for what God is doing in you and through you. Believe big. Believe greater. And listen, take big steps this year. Stop holding yourself back. You know, tonight, we're going to be taking communion. And I'm reminded of what the Gospels reveal, that the the disciples had gotten to a standstill in their walk, in their journey. See, Jesus is saying, guys, one of you is going to betray me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be turned in and I'm going to be crucified. And uh, yeah, where I'm going, you can't go. And Peter says, Lord, I'll go wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, Peter, you'll drop the ball. Before the rooster crows three times tonight. He says, all of you are going to leave me. One of you is going to betray me. And in the midst of this conversation that sounds like so grim and such bad news. The Bible says that Jesus says to them, hey, this bread that we're taking and that we're eating, that we're breaking. He says, this bread is my body. And he says, from this point forward, when you take this bread... I want you to do something, guys. He says, I want you to remember me. 
That it makes sense to them. He's here with us. What is he talking about? But you know, the Bible talks about a time when Peter, after he had dropped the ball, finds himself back to fishing. He went back to his past. And the Bible says that Jesus shows up and at first Peter doesn't realize it. And then he realizes it's Jesus. But you know when he realized it was Jesus? The Bible says that Jesus took the bread and broke it. And when he broke it, you know what Peter remembered? His body was broken for me. But it's the very reason why I'm now restored and I'm made whole. Hey, listen. Every time, whether it's this wafer, listen, you can do this with a Dorito if you want. Don't, don't get it twisted. The Bible says as often as you take this bread and you drink this cup, remember me. You can do it over a bowl of cereal. You can do it with a bag of chips. You can do it with a bowl of arroz con gandules with some pernil and tostones. <laughs> you could do it uh, with, over uh, some corned beef hash with some potatoes. The key isn't what you're doing it with. The key is what you're remembering. And at their lowest point, Jesus took bread and broke it. And he said, guys, remember me. Listen, because of what Jesus did, you are ready. Because of what Jesus did, you are set. Because of what Jesus did, you can go. And tonight, as we take this bread and we break it, I want to remind you of something. He was broken. But because he was broken, in exchange, we're now new. We're now whole. We're now healed. Hey, if, any, if anyone here is struggling with some bodily affliction, let me remind you tonight that by his stripes, you are healed. Healing is yours. That kidney, those stomach issues, that diabetes, those sugar levels, those blood issues, whatever it is, by his stripes, you're healed. Take, eat, and remember that in his brokenness, you're whole completely. Hmm. You know, in that same vein, in those moments, Jesus said to his disciples, this blood is the blood of my new covenant. I'll just share a thought with you. God is a covenant God. You know what that means? When he promises something, there's no turning back on it. You know what the blood of Jesus reminds us of? God's faithfulness. You know what the blood of Jesus reminds us of? That we're forgiven. But listen, here's, here's God's covenant. He says, here's my covenant to you. I will no longer remember your sin. I will no longer cast you away. There's nothing that could separate you and me 
from this love of mine for you. No height, no depth, no width, no length. I'm here to stay. I'm with you. I love you. And when you fall down, I'm helping you get back up. And when you feel weak, I'm reminding you that you're strong. And when you think that you're not good enough, I'm reminding you that you are righteous. That you're holy. That you're mine. That you're good. That you've got the goods. That you're ready. That you're set. And that you can go. And so this God of covenant sealed his covenant with his own blood. It's a done deal. And so tonight, as we drink, here's what we remember and here's what we celebrate. That his blood was sufficient to cleanse us, to heal us, to purify us, to make us righteous, and to eternally join us to God. You've got everything you need because God is with you. Because God loves you. Because God's covenant assures you and I that it's all done. Take, drink in remembrance of him, of this covenant. Father, today, as we're about to leave here, Lord, we treasure this moment. we rightly remember Christ Jesus. Not Christ hanging on a cross, but Christ risen. As Hebrew says, the Christ that entered into the Holy of Holies and presented his own blood, the ultimate sacrifice, the payment for sin. And then he sat down and he declared, it's done. Father, today we accept these truths. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for your complete work that we've been made whole, that we've been healed, that we're declared right with you. And Father, we declare this day, this night, and as we look forward to the next year and beyond, we're ready, we're set, and we're going. We thank you for it, Father. We love you. We praise you. And we celebrate Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen.